Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. I'm your host, Rui dos Santos, and I am here again with Jason Rigo. Welcome back, man. How you doing? Feels great to be back um, right after a victory. I mean, what, what else could we ask for to end our season? I know we got second place in the league, but at least we won the other competitions that we could have and that we had realistic expectations to win. Aside from the Champions League, because I mean, those budgets are just out of whack in comparison to ours. Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you on that. Finishing the season off on on a great note, winning Taça de Portugal, winning our third trophy of the of the season, winning our twelfth straight game in all competitions. You know, finishing in second place is like the only like frustrating part about our entire season but you know given everything that was going on all the obstacles that we had to go through uh there was a lot of troubles a lot of worries worrying situations going on and whatnot during the season we didn't know where we would be at the end of the year and here we are not a really bad way to end the season winning our 84th trophy that makes us once again the most decorated club in portugal jason what do you think about that I think it's rightfully so. I mean, in our <laughs> lifetime, we've been the most dominant club. And I don't think... I mean, we're just untouchable in our lifetimes. It just, it's ridiculous the amount of titles we've won, what we've won, the accomplishments, the players that come through the club, the guys, the way they represent the club. It's just a beautiful thing in the past 30 years. And, I mean, I'd want it no other way. And I'm glad I'm a Portista. Yeah, me too, man. It's like... The, the dominance in, in the last 50 years, it's, you know, it, it's not even up for debate. And also the great thing, too, about the last 50 years, especially after the revolution, it's not just Porto dominating and, and winning a lot of trophies and having great seasons. It's also the, the, the northern clubs kind of just stepping up into the league and making up for more than half of the clubs in the league today. And, you know, if you were to remove the big three, clubs out of Portugal it would be mostly northern clubs that have that would have won um, the league since 1975 and before that was basically teams from the Extremadura area the Lisbon area so but whatever Um, I'm getting uh, I'm getting uh, sidetracked over here but uh, you know the last 50 years have been great uh, for us you know 84 trophies and I think this is number 67 under Pinto da Costa it's amazing what's been what what this club has been able to achieve in such a short amount of time. But, Jason, we're coming off a nice 2 to nothing win against Braga in the Taça de Portugal final. Goals from André Horta and Otávio. <laughs> and we have to shed some light on Galeno. If it wasn't for an own goal, he would have two assists in this game. Uh, what say you about this one? Well, we'll give them both assists from our standpoint. Maybe not officially yeah. from FIFA or the League or Cup, whatever you want to call it. But uh, we'll give him both assists. I mean, that guy's been on fire, man. He he had such a field day on the day. And he's been so crucial to our... Just when things aren't going right from Taremi and we're just force-feeding the guy. When Galeno's on the pitch, we just have that other guy just opening it up for everybody else. And Otavio has someone to, to feed. His his uh, I mean, his ball skills, his, his speed, he's just threatening going forward. He, he's a beautiful guy to watch. And... I don't know, that performance might uh, be his ticket out of here, but I hope not. I hope we can hold on to him for one more season if we want to do anything in the Champions League or at least half a season. Uh, overall, yeah. on the day, yeah. the scoreline doesn't say too much, right? It, it wasn't 
wasn't a scary game from either side. Like I think this game was full of half chances. I do think Porto had the better of chances. Braga had a little more possession, but Porto was fine with that. If you watch their line of engagement, at the Porto would would actually press when they they noticed Braga was a little out of whack in the back, and they kind of picked on their their back line for not having the best feet or best decision making. But they were patient in doing that, so there was a lot of useless possession in Braga's side. Um, not going to yeah. say they weren't threatening on the counter because their counter was pretty nice, and I do respect Bruma because the guy guy's explosive and he's got a lot of speed to get things go going going forward. But uh, overall, I think Porto had the game under control. Um, hats off to Claudio Ramos because, I mean, I'm glad Sergio gave him the start in the final. Rightfully so. He's been in the competition the whole time. Uh, it's his competition. And I do respect that out of Sergio. But uh, I, I think this was a great team performance. I, I think from the back line, who we want to highlight is Uribe, Pepe, Marcano. They, they were all solid. They weren't out of position too often. And when they did, they recovered well. And there was a lot of good communication there. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was a really all-around great performance. I think we dominated a little bit more than, I, I, like, from the beginning, uh, we came out with a lot of intensity. Yeah. We were getting a lot of shots. We were controlling the game, controlling the tempo. You know, as you said, Braga had the majority of the possession, but it was basically useless. Uh, nothing was yeah. really threatening. And watching this game, even like, just watching the first half, even though we didn't get any goals in, I was thinking, wow, we were really dominating. And if it weren't for... Mathieu's making so many saves we could have easily been up two, maybe even three nothing in the first half and then when I'm looking at the stats we only had 47 ball possession it just shows what we were able to do with the with the possession that we had we made the absolute most of it we were knocking on their door the entire time just unfortunate that we weren't able to to get some goals in the first half but things obviously turned around in the second and it panned out for us um I have to, you know, give some credit to uh, shine some light on the the back line. I thought Uribe for his last game in a Porto jersey played sensational. The defense was great. Mm-hmm. Outside of the red card that we we coughed up with Wendell, the defense was was sublime. No mental yes, lapses. Absolutely. We didn't see any of that, and I think that was a great, great um, key factor to to our win as well. Um, one thing that we we should probably shine some light on is Sergio's substitutions. And obviously he made three yep. of them in the 90-some-odd minute. I'm not t- talking about those. I think when even Nielsen got hurt, I think Tony was the right guy in this final. I think he's the more experienced. He he plays that poacher role. And I think him and Teremi can kind of complement each other well. Granted that Teremi is the more playmaker-like player. But in that goal, that goal alone, even though he didn't score it, that run forced... Andre Orta to score in his own net. And that was obviously great buildup from Otavio, great pass from Galenu, and it was a great run from Tony Martinez. But yeah, what the, I... the substitution that I want to just get at real quickly is Sergio making the tough decision and taking out Martinez after the red card instead of Teremi, who was already on the pitch the entire game. Teremi won us a red card. And that yep. decision panned out well. It's never easy to make that, that, that substitution. You hate to be Tony Martinez in that situation, but it panned out perfectly. And it was just as good as a goal because we ended up scoring shortly after that red card. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, poor even Ilsa, man, his career might be over. I mean, this was this his fifth injury of the season. Like if this one, I don't know how serious this one is, but if he's going to continue to have like no team's gonna he's, he's a liability no team's gonna buy him he might have to go back home and play in there in brazil or something but 
it's just too many injuries at, at like a big club of this stature. It's just you're not worth the money at this. What do you, what do you miss? I think altogether he missed almost 17 games this season. I want to say. Yeah, it was. It so was about, I, I, I think was it 15 or it was 15 to 17, I believe. It was about 50 percent of the games he was injured yeah. and on the injury report. It, it's yeah. and then on top of the him Especially, being out of form. Yeah, tough season. I like. I told you he was going to start this game, right? We discussed this last pod, uh, the podcast that didn't get recorded, correct? Right. <sighs> yeah, and I knew this was going to happen, and Sergio loves the guy, but, I mean, maybe he should have started with Tony. And uh, honestly, hats off to Tony for coming on and making being the difference maker. That goal, like, we could say what we want. Adrian Orta ends up putting in the net, but if he doesn't, like, he had to make a play on it because Tony was just sitting there for the tap-in. Tony made right. a great run, and Andre was just trying to cover ground for the, the back line, and... At the end of the day, it was unfortunate, but it was going to be a goal if he didn't make the play. So, hats off to Tony for coming in like that. And like you said, him getting subbed off is never easy, but I think the guy understands his role well on the squad, and he understood the substitution. It's not like he just got subbed because he was playing poorly. We needed an extra defender to pack it in by that having that poor decision by Wendell. I don't know what he was thinking. He could have just let that ball bounce and Braga win it, but he went in studs up and rightfully so got red carded. No need for that in the game. He could have. That's a career-ending tackle. Like that was poor yeah. by Wendell. And I mean, we've been we've been frustrated with the guy. Like we know what he's capable of, but he just makes like mentally, he makes so many errors. Yeah, I think he he has been the better left back, and I I like yeah. him on the attacking front uh, better than Zaidu. Zaidu is just all speed for me. Um, yep. But then you just get these moments where it's like, what the hell? And then he gets that red card. Uh, so uh, frustrating. Uh, we we need Absolutely. another left back. What a what a disappointment Wendell turned out to be. Obviously Zaidu, we kind of knew what we were getting from him when we yeah. when he first arrived at Porto. But Wendell, there was a lot of you know he he spent so much time in in Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga and being a decent player there and just a flat out bust. Um, very disappointing from him. But we definitely need a left back this summer. I mean. How do you go from Alex Stells to what we've had in the recent past? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. come on. <laughs> like, that's night and, we and went, day. And we went from Alexandro to Alex Stells, right? Yep. And yeah, yeah. then we just go from Zaidu to Wendell. <laughs> uh, but, and we had Danilo on the other side. Like, we, we had great outside backs. And then we just went, ah, we're not going to invest in outside backs. We don't need guys that can play with the ball. Yeah. I mean, same with... Um, <sighs> Jesus Corona, and then we went to with Juan yep. Mario. But I mean, Juan Mario's still young and he's still up and coming, and he finished yeah. off the season when he was healthy, pretty strong. But we'll see what happens next year. Hopefully, he recovers from his injury and plays really well next year because we'll definitely need him. So after the game, Diego Costa was interviewed. So Jason, we gotta we gotta settle this, man. We gotta. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this? Because for months, for months, all we've been hearing is Hugo Costa is going to Manchester United. But then Manchester United is hoping to re-sign David De Gea so they don't have to spend money on a goalkeeper. Kind of makes sense, right? You want to, you want to keep around your 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 captain and a quality goalkeeper and not pay a transfer fee. Makes sense. Yeah. But now the contract was never restructured. Then there's. Diogo Costa being thrown around again, but after the game, Diogo Costa uh, was asked about 
going to a different club, the transfer rumors and whatnot. And he says, there is nothing there. I have a contract until 2027. I hope to continue here, but we will see. Manchester United, that is just the internet. I love Porto. It's yeah. the club of my life. I would give my life for it. So, so on the, on this, I think this can just be poor timing because we know th- there's not too many. Uh, listen, he's a, he's a world class goalkeeper, right? So he's not mm-hmm. gonna just go to a club and sit the bench. And this is a position that clubs tend to hold on to guys at the higher echelons, right? Because you already signed the guy. You don't need to pay a transfer fee. You'd rather pay the salary. And De Gea does get a hefty salary, but. The fee you're going to have to pay is not going to be cheap for a right. world-class goalkeeper. So I think after De Gea's season, I don't think Man United would be the target club for him because I think they are going to keep De Gea. He, he ended up panning out this season. Um, he's, I mean, there's been games where he just put the team on his back. Like they, They're a poor club at the end of the day. That's just a whole other discussion for another day. They're not good, and uh, they've got a long way to go. And if they already have the goalkeeper there and he's still got a few years to go, I, I think they're going to end up holding on to him. So I think Diego Costa can leave. I think he can, but I really hope Porto don't sell themselves short. I don't think there's too many places he can go. Right. Um, I think a lot of the world-class clubs at the moment have their guy. And I could see Diogo. I think he can probably stay another season. But after that, I, I don't see him being at Porto. I think, we're, I think we might be lucky to have him for one more year. Yeah, I think so. And think. if... Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. For sure. I I don't think clubs want to wait until the World Cup to uh, see him let it up, and I basically have to pay a record-breaking fee. I think that's just too long. Right. So, yeah. I I mean I don't know. I've been saying I've had this prediction. It was shortly after the Benfica game, maybe a couple of weeks, a month and a half ago, where it just something. There's he's not attracting enough. Um, attention from other big clubs. And the reason why is because, as you said, they all have their guy for the most part. And they can deal with the goalkeeper that they have and not spend $75 million. Porto should not budge for less than that. So, you know, who who else would he go to? Is he going to ride the bench somewhere? Or is he going to play at a club that doesn't have Champions League football? Or they're not like a top, top team that's, you know, fighting for a title? It just doesn't make sense. He's better off just staying another season. Uh, there's a lot of goalkeepers out there that are aging, that are starters at big clubs, and who knows, maybe one of them will have a bad season or one of them gets hurt, and then that's the opportunity for Diego Costa to go. So I don't know. I, I will say that I'm at f- – I'm, I'm going to say it's 50-50 on my end that he leaves the summer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's with this next season, but I'm not also convinced that he's gone. Uh, I'm with you on this. I mean, his talent is obviously great. He's proved himself in the Champions League. He's made big penalty saves. Like these are things that are just high money moves from a goalkeeper. And his feet, like he's had the best feet we've ever had from a goalkeeper at Porto ever. Yeah. Like, do we remember 100%. the days of Helton? Like the the guy could not distribute to save his life. You know what I mean? Just kick so the ball like, as far as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Get it out. Yeah. So like this guy's distribution is world class. So he he is on his way to to a big club, and I I hope we keep him for another season. Like I said. He's just one of those guys we're going to need to keep if we want to do any damage in the Champions League next season. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And if if he does leave, it's going to be Man- it's going to go to Man- he's going to go to Manchester United because they're not going to re-sign David de Gea, whose contract does expire at the end of this month. So 
in the next 30 days, we're going to know exactly where Yugo Costa is going to go. So if they do re-sign him, it makes no sense paying two salaries of two starting goalkeepers and then paying $75 million on top of it. It wouldn't make any sense to keep both of them together. So uh, we'll find out soon. I think if De Gea leaves, Yugo Costa will go to Man United. And if, Yugo Costa, if De Gea does stay, I think Yugo Costa stays as well. So just w- just one last uh, thing on tr- well let's keep it in with the let's keep it going with the transfers ish rumors. Uh, Ivan Jaime from Famalicão has been linked to us. He's been arguably Famalicão's best player, um, and I would absolutely love him. He's an attacking midfielder. Jason, you touched up that you want to see another ten here to kind of just take the role next season. I think he's our guy. Uh, 22, 23 years old, 24 games this season, nine goals, three assists. Not bad for a team like Fumalico. And, you know, Fumalico finished in the top half of the season. So I think he would be a, a pretty decent acquisition. And the price could be cheap. I've been reading 5 million euros, possibly like seven or eight. So that wouldn't be bad business getting a guy that's already familiar with the league. Let's move on to the next part of the show. And this one was inspired by our friend Brian Pereira, who asked us a question pretty similar to this. And it's going to be the end of the season awards here on the Porto podcast. Thank you, Brian, for your question and your idea uh, to do this. So, Jason, end of the season awards. You're going to have to, I have one, two, three, four, five, seven awards to give out, and you're going to have to answer them all. First off, let's start with the revelation of the season. It's going to go to Galeno. Um, as much as I gave him praise, he was still riding on a ton of potential, right? He didn't. He still wasn't proven. And I think he just had way too many big moments this season not to give this guy the rele- revelation of the season. Like He's got big, fill, uh, big shoes to fill. I mean, you're coming in and like Luis Diaz left us and you're trying to be that guy. And obviously, right at the start, you're not going to be the same player. But overall, his production's been great. He's created so much just in this game alone. Like, like I said, we we reward this guy with the two assists. Like, there's no debate. Like, he created those goals. Um, hockey assist from Otavio on the first one. Like, he's just a great player, and I think he deserves it. And I think we'd be honored to have him for one more season and to see the player he can develop into because he's got a lot of potential and it looks like he's learning very fast. Yeah, 100%. Not as great as Luis Diaz, but not a bad replacement. I really enjoyed Galeno. Yeah. What an excellent revelation last uh, this past season. And given what his first six months at the club was at the end of last season, really, really surprising. Definitely the revelation, uh, revelation of the season on my end as well. Next, who is the flop of the season? I don't think there's any debate. It's just David Carmel. Um, I think we're all praying the guy can turn around next season, but this season's been a disgrace for the money we spent on him. It's that simple. Yep, I would have to agree too. David Carmel, really disappointing. Twenty million, and barely hasn't started in. I don't think in 2023. Maybe one game. I can't even remember. The next award. What's <laughs> the best signing? Uh, I guess it's a Shtaku. We can consider him a signing, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Both him and Galeno were signings. Yeah, I mean, 
I would I'd give it to both of them, but Shitaku, aside from his his mistake that I mean, it's, this is 2020 vision. I mean, this is Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Um, yep. Hindsight where he messed up against Benfica. Aside from that mistake, like the guy's been a rock. Plays very simple, does a lot of hard work, and he makes a lot of great passes that maybe don't result into anything. But he he creates a ton, and I think he, to me, I think he deserves that. Yeah, I think both the revelation of the season and the best signing can go either or for Galenu and Oshtaki. I think Oshtaki filled in that void for Vitinha, that role that we were kind of desperately desperately looking for in the first several games of the year because we had no idea who would be that guy. And he kind of stepped up, and overall he had a great season. I'm really looking forward to seeing him next year. Next award, the Defender of the Year. Who is it? I mean, it's my boy Pep. Like, Come on, man. <laughs> At that age, just solid performances game after game. Like he, he's just like not the reason we drop points, and he's a leader. I, I can only imagine the amount of like intangibles he adds to the team, the experience he brings. He's been at, at the big show. He's been there. He's done that. He's got so much to offer to the other guys of the team and teach them. And he was just a rock for us in the back line. Him, Uribe defending well a lot of games this season, and Diogo Costa in, in the the net. Like that's just that's a solid three in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add a little constructive criticism, Jason. Uh, I'm going to probably go with Ivan Marcano because of his longevity, and he scored a lot of big goals for us this year. Um, Not longevity, his uh, durability. I'm sorry. His durability this year. Played more games than Pep. But if I did have to take, you know, if we're going into the Champions League or if we're playing against Mefica, if I had to choose between Pep or or Marcano, obviously it's going to be Pep. But Marcano... Given how the the David Carmu signing didn't pan out well, and he stepped up and he did okay and scored some big goals, I don't know. Maybe I'll go with him this year because he played more games and made those big goals. I'm not saying he's better than Pep, but I'll <laughs> I'll give it to I'll be different on this one. I'll just to be different. I'll go with Marcano. That's fair. Uh, I think he's only had like two more games, right? I'm not really. I don't sure. think it was no. too many more. I, I don't think he, it was much more. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair. I, I give the guy a lot of criticism, and I think this is the best season he's ever had at Porto. So, hats off to him. Yeah, he had. Oh yeah, he only played one or two games more. Oh, well, why did I? Think yeah, he, I thought Pep only played like eighteen or nineteen games this year. So, actually, no, uh, no, no. I only know this because I looked it up right before the podcast. So that's why yeah, I then, it to Pep. Because I, I, was, I was on the verge of giving it to Marcano. Then I saw it was only two more matches. I was like, ah, it's got to go to Pep then. He's just, uh, he's so just it's too two more. I, I, I don't know why I thought... <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was... <laughs> Marcano played like six or seven games more. I don't know why I thought that. But anyway, uh, you know, I'll stick with Marcano just to be different anyway. And maybe I'll have some of the guys or girls listening to the show kind of give me shit on Twitter later this week when they listen to who I picked as a defender of the year over Pep. So whatever. Marcano. Actually, I should have said Wilson Manafa. Because <laughs> no, since he became a star, oh, actually, we cut that Wilson, Wilson we Manafa, him. because ever since he became the starter back in April, Porto never lost a game after that. They won every single one. So I'm going to go with Wilson Manafa as as an honorary defender of the year. 
Next one, the midfielder. Please. You just want to cut him? I don't know. Until we lose the next game, then we I like cut him. him. Uh, well, just make him a part of the team, but just not not on the pitch, man. Like the guy loves the club, but just equipment playing, manager. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Like uh, the guy's attitude's great, but just come on. I don't know. Until he loses, Jason. Until I mean, until we lose. Until we lose again, <laughs> then we'll talk about it. Midfielder of the year. We got quite a few options here. Yeah, it's just got to go to Otavio. I'm sorry. Like when he wasn't on the pitch, we just weren't the same team. We couldn't compete with yeah. the big teams, and we just, we just, it just like I said, we're not the same team. Our identity was lost. Like our creativity was gone. He he deserves it. He's been so good for us, man. Like he plays both sides of the ball. He creates so much, and like. A lot of goals just result from his movement, his passing, just everything from him. Yeah. And if if Tony Martinez scored the first goal, he would have gotten the hockey assist, and the buildup came straight from him. Great pass to Galeno, yeah. and then the pass that was just waiting for Tony Martinez. Otavio is extremely underrated, man. He is a phenomenal footballer, and what he brings. And there's a reason why he started in the World Cup for Portugal. The intensity, the yep. all-around game that he provides, super underrated. We know he's a pest. We know he can defend. We know he can press. But he can really control the game. His vision's excellent. His passing is great. You know, absolute complete midfielder. I, I, I love him, and I'm surprised he's still at Porto. Attacker of the year. This one's going to be a good one because your boy's in it. And then we have, you know, the obvious, you know, Mediteremi. Who's it going to be? It's got to be Tedemi. Uh I know my boy's in it, but it's, at the end of the day, it's Tedemi. The guy just does so much thankful, thankless work and creates so much. And oh, He's been unlucky where he just hasn't been informed sometimes. Maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's tiredness. We don't know. But he's still scored a lot of goals. And like he's been very productive up there. And he's, I mean, he's just always on the pitch. Like, come on. Just give this guy the award. He, he's a stud. Uh, it's going to be sad to see him leave, but I think it's good for him to leave. Go get paid, buddy. And I just, I'm glad he played for Porto. That's it. Yeah, me too. And I think he reached 30 goals this season. Uh, you know, he's been a in all competitions, obviously. He's been a great player for us over the years, and I couldn't agree more. I, I would have to give it to Teremi this year. And I think this year was a difficult year for him because he was given a, a silver platter last year. Uh, with with the talent around him um, where he was able to score a lot of goals, a lot of open play goals, and he assisted far more too as well. He had a much more complete team. This year was a lot, a lot for him. He had to really adjust and play a different role than he did last year, and he did it great. He stepped up when we needed him to, and he had to be really unselfish in certain games where he had to be more that distributor, that more deep-lying playmaker, um, and not get as many goals. So, He's been great, and I totally agree. Taremi is the guy um, for us, and arguably the winner of the next uh, award, which is the last award, the player of the season. What say you? Uh, I got this as a shared award, and I'm giving it to Otavio and Diogo Costa because either of those guys out in the lineup, like we just, our chances of winning that game just diminished like, yeah. drastically. Our, we just looked like a different team. Our game plan had to be changed completely, and those are just those were the most crucial guys in Porto's year this season. 
And I mean, Octavio's display of football this season was just beautiful. Like he was fun to watch. He his heart, like he played with heart each and every game. He had an engine. Like he's a small guy, and you would think he's one of those big midfielders that just he just wins tackles. Except this guy can attack. He creates. He scores goals. He plays with the fire. Like he gets the team going. And then on the other end, you got Diogo Costa, and there's a lot of times goalies don't get enough credit, but the guy's the best goalie in Portugal. Had a great Champions League, saved some PKs, and there was games where, hey, maybe the defense just wasn't clicking and we had some gaps and he would just come up big and got us the three points. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I think these two were my, my two options. And whoever you were going to go with, I had a feeling you were going to go with either one. Uh, I was going to go with the other, just to be different, because both of them, <laughs> both of them deserve to be recognized as the best player for Porto this season for all the things that you stated. If I could add to Otavio, Otavio, the role that he had that he was given this year also sacrificed a lot of his statistics. Last year he had 11 assists. This year I think it was seven. Uh, I think he could have gotten a lot more if he wasn't really going all around, playing all around the midfield. Some games he's playing out wide, other games he's mostly in the middle, you know, and he's still finding a way to be as dominant and effective, versatile football player. And Diego Costa, who knows where we would have been in the Champions League this year because of those penalties that he saved in against uh, Leverkusen in both games, you know, in in moments when we were tied zero to zero, I believe. And then another one, another moment where we had a penalty, we were up one nothing. Just in those two games, we needed to win both of them to have a chance to get out of the group stage. So, uh, and on top of that, all think about all the points that we would have lost if we didn't have Diego Costa making those big saves, keeping us in these games uh, for as long as he did. So, I, I guess, I guess they are the players of the season. It's so hard to choose from um, between the both of them. They, they were both sensational and both equally as important from the other. I don't know, Jason. Am I missing any awards here? Is there anything else that I'm missing? No, you got all no? of them. We got them That's all pretty much off. all of them? All right, awesome. So yeah. let's move on to the next part of the show, the Twitter questions. We got quite a few of them. Uh, the first one comes from our friend George Dragon at Komodo FCP. What player do you think was the best of the season, and why do you choose Otavio? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Otavio, uh, for all the reasons that we gave before, uh, you can go with Yugo Costa. Maybe some people will say Teremi, uh, but Otavio was was great. Versatile, all-around player, and adapted in every scenario. Next question comes from C.D. Baruch at C.D. Baruch 8. Feedback on next year's kits. They actually look really nice, pretty similar uh, from this year. I think... One of them is yellow, the other one is blue, the alternate in a way, and then you have the traditional blue and white stripes. Uh, Jason, were you able to get a look at them? I'm pulling them up as we speak. So, I mean, yep, we'll keep the classic traditional. The way's fine. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's, we've seen better seasons. We've seen worse. I'll take them. As a person that I designs like the yellow jerseys, ones. I'm not impressed. I like, yeah. uh, well, They're yeah. Nice. I mean, nothing can really compete against the Providence City Rogues FC kits. So, uh, but no, that I one, mean, you know. Listen, Porto, Porto's had some nice kits in their day. And 
New ba- and New Balance himself has has made some nice ones, but I do Nike Nike's had some hits. Cap has had some hits with Porto, but um, I don't know. This season's just oh. eh. I miss those classic Coppa jerseys. That's my first one that I uh, ever got. Nineteen ninety seven. Still on the dragon Gonsi. kit. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven. Sergio Sergio jersey was my first kit that I ever Love got. It. Love so. it. Yeah, so I have the dragon one. Um, I had the one when I was a kid, full kit. You know, I was a full kit wanker. And then my dad kept his because he had the same kit, and now I have my dad's. So I have it in the adult size now. <laughs> Next question comes from Jack Hacken, Feyenoord Enjoyer at Companator. What is your favorite kit from another team in the league that is not Porto? Mine would be the Shavs home kit with the, the awesome Trajos Monch vibes to them. Also, which one do you think is the worst? For it is the Santa Clara away kit. <laughs> oh, the best? I mean, dude. That shop's kit is kits, fire. It is, but those Game Inch kits to me just look, always look so clean. It's nice material. They look sleek on the pitch. I think yep. their accents would just... I mean, to me, that simplicity is just beautiful. Yeah, uh, I actually own a Game Inch kit. My, my oh, they're grandf- nice, man. Yeah, they are really nice. My grandfather is a Game Inch fan, uh, so my brother oh, awesome. ended up getting me a kit the last time he went to Portugal. It was like probably three or four years ago, and it was an all-white kit, and you can just – you can't really see it on TV, but there is like a shiny outline of the the Castelo in Guimarães, Um, just like an outline on the jersey. And when you look at it in person, it's so fire, so simple, Um, really nice kit, and their logo is badass too. Love their logo as well. So I'll go with that, and I'll go with the Shavs home kit as well. Um, I think those are awesome kits. Better than any Barcelona jersey that has ever had, and they're pretty damn similar. So I'll always stick by that. (laughs) Alex, at L-L-E-W underscore Alex. This is not really a question, but he's going to put this out there. Andre Orta loves Porto. Pass it on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Next question comes from Fuego <laughs> at he him at Senor Fuego ninety. What does next year's team look like? Mainly, who departs over the summer? What do you think? I mean, I think we see Taremi and Uribe leaving, and I think I think we see a lot of the similar faces. But I hope we really patch up the areas that we need to. I think we're going to loan out a few guys that didn't really pan out this season. But uh, I think we need to make room for like four or five signings, to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, left back, center back, and some center midfielders, and we'll be all right. Yeah. Even with Taremi and yeah. and possibly Marcano or, um, and Uribe leaving, we'll be all right if we get those yeah. signings going. But those three are the three that might leave. Or definitely leaving. And then also, Diego Costa, that's always a possibility as well. Yep. Tergo at Real Alessandro. What do you guys think of the president's management on transfers? <sighs> Given like recent years and how we've been losing players on freeze, uh, top players on freeze, and then just selling them on the last year of their contracts or selling them for less than what they should be sold for. Uh I mean, it's it's been horrible, but 10 years ago, 
seven years ago, 15 years ago, that whole t- era, Pinto de Costa was sensational. And I don't know what happened in the last five years or so. He just never really adapted with the times and never was aggressive. And I think maybe maybe being in financial fair play put him in that situation where he kind of had to settle for less because the team the teams that were going after our players really wanted to squeeze us and put us put us uh, up against the wall and force us to sell low because we knew we needed to sell and couldn't really have an upper hand in arguing or or demanding a certain price. I think that's part of the reason, but there's no excuse to having release clause of 30 or 40 million for players like Vitinha or 5 million for Francisco uh, Francisco Conceição. You know, you need to demand more right off the bat and they have been doing that lately. I think they just took too long um and did it in waited too long to to uh, adapt to the times. I think they were just a few years behind. I agree with that. I the FIFA fair play definitely has an impact there. Um but at the same time that was our fault from a management standpoint, so we can't really add that as an excuse because we shouldn't be in that situation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um we opened our checkbook to a guy that never coached men in his life and he only coached boys. And I don't know why we thought that was a good idea. And we actually went against our business practices and we started loaning guys to our club at a high price and we couldn't, we weren't going to be able to resell them. So that was, that was already strange business transactions going on that we don't know the purpose behind that. So we, we put ourselves in fee for fair play, but I do think we've gotten a little behind the times in where we were just complacent. I think we just thought transfers are always going to be the same way they always were for us i know we had some record transfers at the time in the year that they happened with the the james and the falcons but i I think we got very complacent and i don't think we upgraded our technologies our information or our scouting and recruiting i think we were just like oh this is always going to be the way it is and we didn't try to learn new ways implement new technologies and i think that's one of the factors that other clubs now have the same access to information as we do whether it's smaller clubs and i think that kind of saturates the market and those gems we used to find so easily aren't so easy to find anymore yeah 100 percent. but i think in recent years i think we still do well attracting young players (laughs) and getting them on the team obviously it's harder for the reasons that you mentioned but my main my main issue has always been how much these players were sold for, uh, why they were sold on their last year of their contract, and letting some of these players go on a free. Agreed. So that's always yeah, been th- my Those my are issue. big issues. Right. Those are Absolutely. problematic. Like we, we need to sort that out. I mean, what, you don't have a database to say when the player's contract's going to be up? Well, I, I, I mean... It, you you know the time that you know the yeah. the amount of years left so once you start entering the 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 season before they go into their last year and they're not able to sell they they and they're not able to uh, restructure the contract you have to sell the player to get the maximum value for them otherwise going into the last year of the contract no one's going to pay for that release clause cuz if they wait 12 months you know they can get them for free so yeah exactly and i mean yeah, granted, like if you get them a season before the contract runs out, like you can justifiably so sell them at a discounted rate, right? Because that's just how investments work. Like right. if not, we'll just wait it out a season. The guy's young. Hey, why not? But like if the guy has two, three years on a contract, there's no reason the guy should be walking for a discounted rate or basically free in our eyes. Right. 100%. Cam Raffier at Cam Raffier 
Have you ever tried to get players to join you on the pod? Can you have Teremi on with Pep? Uh, I like we haven't tried to reach out to any players, but that could you know always change. Maybe you've given us an idea on uh, on a potential guest in the future. Hopefully that could happen. But imagine Jason, Teremi, and Pep on this pod. I don't even think Pep can speak English. <laughs> We're gonna have to do a Portuguese version nah, of, uh, of that episode. I would, I would think he could. I mean, he's he spent plenty of time overseas. A lot of those clubs speak English. I'd be surprised. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. I don't maybe, know. Real Madrid. Right, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a lot of English going on in Real Madrid. And even the city of Porto. Like, there's so much English there. Yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd be really yeah. surprised. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone's speaking English. I'd, like The other day, I saw Paolo Maldini speaking in English on CBS. I was like, whoa, <laughs> when did, where did this guy learn how to speak English? So, And he's an old timer, you know? So, yep, uh, but yep. Teremi, that would be I mean, that would be epic having Teremi on here with his like loud voice. We would have to like muzzle his voice, gotta condense his <laughs> his, his channel. <laughs> but or we'd have awesome. to speak louder. We'd have to match match the intensity, you know. Absolutely, yeah. That would be. I don't know. One day, I I think uh, we'll we'll have to try and reach out uh, to some of these I mean, players, see if they would. Maybe we we try to speak to the up and coming guys first. So at least maybe the team is even aware of the podcast because I'm sure they're not even aware of our podcast. And then our name gets out there maybe slowly. We've got to grow. We're not going to just be able to get a guy like Ted Emmy on the podcast. It just it is what it is. The guy's busy. His agent's not going to want to speak to us. So there's going to be politics involved <laughs> and who we got to jump through. We we did enough of a following guys to get to get a big guy like that on. Yeah, but maybe, maybe we, we speak to the guys it. on the Porto B. You know, maybe we t- we should get R- Rodrigo Conceição on this podcast. That's what we should get. Talk about yeah, his dad. There's... Talk about him. How yeah, talk... how it's like yeah. playing under your dad and your brothers. Yeah, uh, I can tell you how that is. I work with my dad for, for <laughs> as my job, so I can tell you how it is. <laughs> Portuguese uh, from the mainland. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. already know. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, Rodrigo, because my dad is basically like. Like a Sergio Conceição, same exact person. I see a lot of my dad in Sergio Conceição, or I see a lot of Sergio Conceição in my dad. But anyway, great question. And, you know, actually, before we go on to the next question, I think Stephen Nostakiu would be a great, great guest True. to have on if we were to get one from the main squad because he's from Canada, you know, yeah. from the Toronto area. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he came across uh, our podcast. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but I would say him first. Connor Wilson at yes you will underscore son. How would you grade this season overall? Mm, I'm gonna go with a B minus. I think I know it's been a very successful season. Like we get a passing grade for that. But at the same time, we are Porto and our expectations are high. We we need to win the league. Like that's first and foremost. And Maybe it would have been a B plus if we just maybe we went one more round in the Champions League. That was just it was an upsetting way to go out, and I just wasn't happy with the way we went out. I, th- I thought we des- I wouldn't say we deserved to win that tie. We definitely didn't deserve, but I thought we could have won that tie. Yeah, yeah, it could have went either way. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think I'm gonna be a little bit more generous. Okay. I'm gonna go with a B plus, almost A minus, like an A minus minus or a B plus plus, because okay. We won three trophies. We solidified Champions League. 
we went into the round of 16 of the Champions League. A lot of the financial objectives I think we reached. We qualified for the Champions League, so that's an extra $45 million. We got uh, extra revenue for being in the knockout stages. We sold out uh, another home crowd. I think that's always a plus. And there aren't really much better second-place finishes to a season than this one. And given all the obstacles that we went through, uh, Sergio Conceição really dug us out of a hole, and a lot of these players really showed up when we needed them most. And I'm kind of proud of, of seeing how we finished the season strong and how we were kind of able to turn things around as well. It kind of gives me a little bit of hope going into next season. Um, and if we get the right signings, I think we'll be the best team and the, the team to beat next year. So I'll go, I'll go with a B plus. Okay, that's fair. George at Porta Dizanov, would you move the venue for the Portuguese Cup final to another stadium in Portugal? What do you think about this one? I mean, where would you move it? I just, I, the pitch has got a lot of history, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's a neutral site for both squads, right? I, I don't know where you'd want to move it. Uh, I would say, yeah. Uh, I, I do. I would say since he won it so many times, Estadio Municipal, <laughs> Sergio Conceição in Coimbra. It's kind of in the middle of the country, so let's go with that. Let's go with that. I'll say okay. let's move it to Sergio Conceição Stadium in Coimbra because it's too close <laughs> to Lisboa, and that's that's basically a home game for Sporting and Benfica if they make it to the final. So I'm going to go with that, Jorge. Let's go with Sergio Conceição Stadium in Coimbra. Next question comes from our friend Manuel Pinto at Eruidu Terra. Given the looks of Diego Costa staying with us after his declarations, what would happen with Samuel Portugal? How do you feel after Ivan Nilsson's injury last match? Will he come back better next season or will he turn into something like Hazard for Real Madrid? Oof. I don't know if he actually hmm. declared that he was staying, but let's say that he does stay. Um, I don't know what would happen to Samuel Portugal because I don't even see him as our second goalkeeper. He'd be our third with, you know, I mean, I, I really wouldn't know. But Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he needs to get loaned out. The guy needs reps. Yeah, probably that's the case for him. And then probably bring a, a younger goalkeeper up from Porto B as the third stringer because you kind of have two two good players, Claudio Ramos and, and Samuel Portugal as your backups. You kind of want to get someone going a little bit. And I think it would be Samuel Portugal because Claudio Ramos is going to be in his last year of his contract next season. Yep. And as for Ivan Nielsen... I think he'll I think he'll come back better next year. Uh it's going to be a make it or break it season. I think this was a year where he was really unfortunate uh picking up so many injuries and every time he stepped on the pitch or most of the times that he stepped on the pitch it seemed like he was forcing his injury. Like he ne he was never 100% recovered and he either kept aggravating it or just making it far worse than what it was. Uh it just seemed really weird this year for him and on top of that you know, he has a lot of expectations. The team is not the same from the year before. So the concentration, the mentality, the mental lapses, they sink in. And it, it really it really throws off a player's confidence. 
So a really unfortunate season for him, but I think he will he will come back strong next year if he's with us and a starter. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he needs to do his homework this offseason. He needs to put in the work. He needs to get those muscles stronger and work on any weaknesses that he has. Um, I would almost want this guy to come as late as he could to preseason and just focus on literally just strengthening his body. And any of those weaknesses, they need to be addressed, whether it's from the Porto doctors or he invests in himself. But he needs to make a statement next season or I think he's just got to be out of the Porto picture. I think his time's ticking. Um, we, we saw his potential, and if you're not available, that potential is useless. Yeah, 100%. So let's see what happens. Got to take care of yourself, Ivan Nielsen. Take care of that body and be ready for next year. Yeah. That's all. That's the only thing that I would say to him. 1911 at Namasu Prop 1. Thoughts on Veron and Danny and what you think the plan is for those two next season? Two. Is Otavio a club legend? If not, what what is he missing? Hmm. I think <sighs> Danny and Veron are two starters next season. I think they're, they're going to be two big yeah. players. Uh, and you know what? If we see that Galeno is going to be sold this summer, Veron has to be the guy. So if Teremi so. leaves, which it looks like it's happening, is going to happen, I can see... Danny being that that false number nine, and if if even Nielsen is going to have his struggles and inconsistencies next year, or at least in the beginning of the season, I think we're going to see a lot of these two next year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both groomed to pl- to be stars next season. I think they were just waiting for their moment. Um, none of them impressed enough to be stars this season, which is okay because they're still young. But I do think they're uh, they're ready to be the starters. I think I think they're both itching. They would have loved to men stars this year, but it just wasn't the season for them. Um, not to say they played poorly. They just weren't necessarily that much better than what we had. And if yep. they can be consistent next season, they will be consistent starters. And I, I think they're both promising talents. I think they do have a lot to offer the club. And I'm excited for these two. I, th- I think they could, they're difference makers. So um, I can't wait to see what they can actually do with full 90 minute games and a consistent season where they're getting more reps than just being a sub for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, out of those two, I'm definitely more excited for Danny Namasu. I think more so than Veron, because I think if Galeno stays, Veron would be an excellent player to come off the bench. But Danny, I think he's ready for next season. He's shown some good quality in the second half of the season this year. In the year of 2023, I've been saying this, he's been excellent. Uh, and I think he deserved a little bit more time. And Sergio was a little harsh on him, but next year I'm I'm stoked, and I think I'm pretty stoked for the next few seasons with these two at the helm in the t- in the attack. I think I think we're gonna have a pretty lethal attack in the long run with these two there. Um, second part of the question is Otavio a Porto legend? Yeah, he's won enough at the club. He's had enough big games. He's I mean just the motion displays on the pitch along with his performances just gives it enough for him to be a club legend. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree and he's he basically came to Porto when we entered our banter era, you know, going those 4 years mm-hmm. without winning a trophy or without winning the league. 
So he kind of went through it all. And I think that's where you kind of get his grit and his his tripeiro gara. He just really dug himself, um, just like Porto did as a club collectively, to get themselves out of that situation that they were in. So uh, 100%. He's a legend. He's been at the club for, what, nine years already. He's been a fantastic player. He had a couple of loan spells uh, at, at Guimarães. So he... He's he's been here long enough, and he's won a lot with us, and he's been one of our best players for the last few seasons, for sure. Last question comes from Mats at Mats Attack Nine. How do you make the most of a Porto match day experience? I'm looking to go next, and it would be great to join you. That would be awesome to link up with a bunch of fans, some of our listeners, Twitter followers, and whatnot in Porto to watch a game or even just hang out at a pub or whatever it is. Um, but unfortunately, I've never been to a game. So Jason, you have. So you, this one's all on you. How do you make the most of a Porto match day experience? Uh, I would just say make sure you're trying to go to a good game and where they're not going to be resting any players, which <laughs> I mean at home, <laughs> they're they're going to probably play everyone. And there's, I mean, how many situations is that it's just if we win the, the league's in the bag or maybe you have a Champions League game, turn around within two to three days. That's the only time they're going to rest, guys. But, um, yeah, just go there enjoy it. I mean, it's just full of blue. Go to the mall, maybe grab a bite before the game. Uh, maybe grab some bears because there's no alcohol inside the game if you like bears. And uh, just enjoy the experience. It's a good time. A lot of chance going on. And just make sure you some buy, buy some half-decent tickets. But, I mean, the whole stadium, is, it's not too big, so... Doesn't really matter where you sit, you'll you'll see most of the game. Huh? There you have it, Matt. Hopefully you make it out there and who knows, maybe we'll be there as well, or one of us will be there. You never know. And make sure you get yourself a Francesinha when you go to Porto and eat <laughs> some really good some really good seafood as well. That's the most important thing. Portugal is known for the seafood, the best in the world. So, Jason, that pretty much does it for this episode. Any last words before we wrap things up? No, I think we've covered it all. I think it's been a great season overall. We've uh, we've covered it through the ups and the downs. We've rode the emotional highs and lows. And uh, proud to be a Portista. Yeah, well said. I, yeah, I reiterate everything that you say, man. 100% on that. Uh, it, I'm proud of the way we finished this year. Happy how it how it turned out. Um, winning all these trophies and almost almost completing that miracle comeback with such a short amount of time left in the season. You know, going negative 10 and finishing negative 2. You know, it's not a trophy, but it's it's a great performance. But outside of that, we, we won quite a few trophies and it's not a bad season to have when you don't win the league. So, but anyway, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. Follow us on Twitter at FC Portupod ENG, on Instagram, Portupod ENG, on Facebook, the Porto Podcast in English. And if you like the show, hit the five stars, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review. It really helps us grow. And we will see you all on the next episode.